Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening to all our listeners. I'm Tapu Mahapi, and I'm your host for tonight. Welcome to Law Focus on Brown FM at 8.1. Thank you for tuning in again. South Africa has once again embarked on its annual campaign, which we call National Wills Week, and people are encouraged to draft and execute their last wills and testament. The campaign started yesterday on Monday and will continue throughout the week with various uh, attorneys from different law firms participating in the initiative. They'll be displaying posters on social media and physical ones uh, with their contact details so that members of the public can make appointments with attorneys in their respective areas. The Law Society of South Africa's National Wills Week campaign uh, presents the ideal opportunity to set up a will, especially if you wouldn't ordinarily afford the services of an attorney. It's been reported that many people across the country do not have wills. In recent months, we've witnessed many people, uh, more than 18,000 now, losing their lives to COVID-19. And the pandemic should be an example of why it's important for us to have a will. This week is an opportunity for members of the public to have a basic will drafted by an attorney with his expertise, and the service is free. We always hope to give you content that's relevant and valuable to your lives. Now, to remind you what we are about, uh, Law Focus aims to deal with issues relating to legal matters and the consequences thereof. All of our conversations around the law and how it plays out in our daily lives. Legal Aid urges our members of the public to visit their participating offices during the week to gain empowerment on legal information and education about their rights and their responsibilities, in particular when it comes to wills and what will happen after you are no longer here. But first things first, let's start with one of our favorite features of the show, Legal Hotspots. Let's take a look at the top legal stories of the week. Here are Legal Hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. The Enlightened Christian Gathering, otherwise known as the ECG, Pastor Shepard Bushiri, and his co-accused is also his wife, Mary, as well as Landiwe Nfokwane, will spend um, the week in custody at Khosimampuri Correctional Services as their bail was postponed to Friday at the Pretoria Magistrates Court. The couple, along with their co-accused, were arrested last week and they face fairly serious charges. These include fraud, money laundering, and contravention of the Prevention of Organized Crime Act in the amount of about 102 million rand. We see that act coming up often in the discussions over the last few weeks. Bushiri and his wife, as well as their co-accused, began their bail application on Friday, and their legal team insists that they've done nothing wrong. In fact, they go so far as to say that the Bushiri's are in fact a victim of the very same scheme. EWN reports that the Home Affairs Department is expected to appeal the judgment that stopped the state from withdrawing Bushiri's permanent residency in South Africa. Bushiri, I think, is a Malawian native, as in living in South Africa under a permit. The department wants the couple to clarify discrepancies in their application for residency. Judgment for Agrizi's bail application has been reserved. The High Court in Johannesburg has reserved judgment also for Friday, the 30th of October, for the former Bosasa CEO Angelo Agrizi's bail application. According to the National Prosecuting Authority's Twitter page, no bail must be granted to Agrizi until the state's own physicians give a report about his current condition. 
EWN has reported that while Agrisi's lawyers admit that he has more assets outside of the country than he does in the country, they maintain that it doesn't mean that he intends to evade justice. The adamant that the fraud and corruption charges should be released on bail after he was denied bail uh, at the Palm Ridge Commercial Crimes Court. Agrisi's lawyers argued in the High Court in Johannesburg that Agrisi is being treated extremely harshly by the prosecution, even though monies paid to Vincent Smith, who has been released on bail, were from the company Bosasa and not from him personally. Agrisi was denied bail two weeks ago. EWN further reports that his lawyers have uh, told the court that he's in the ICU, on a ventilator and on dialysis. But doctors find it difficult to treat him because he's chained to a bed, even though he is allegedly unconscious. And that's a case that obviously the whole country is going to be watching and be very gripped on because should something happen to him and he shouldn't be able to testify, it is possibly going to be a devastating blow to the information he could have revealed. And if he is allegedly unconscious, as they say, I don't know why he'd be chained, but that's one that we will certainly be following up. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, stories the of the week is Legal Hotspots. Welcome back to Law Focus. So now we're discussing the importance of having a will, the nitty-gritties. Is it necessary? Is it not necessary? Who can do it and why you should, perhaps shouldn't? This is as the country has embarked on National Wills Week 2020. It commenced yesterday. Legal Aid South Africa has partners with the Law Society of South Africa and the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development. And they'll be drafting basic wills throughout this week. And they will also be providing some legal advice on wills and things related to deceased estates at no cost. One of the greatest risks of not having a legitimate will in place when you pass away is that if you suddenly pass away, for example, now during COVID-19 pandemic, your family may not know exactly what your wishes were. Another risk is that we will often see nasty family infighting over inheritances and assets. In particular, is uh, family homes tend to be a problem. There's even a show on some of the satellite televisions based solely around disputes of family homes. So it really is a big deal in our country what happens to a parental home. That's just one of them. I mean, it has some financial value, but it also has cultural as well as um, uh, very often sentimental value as well. But that's just one example of things that lead to fights within families where there isn't a will. Legal Aid South Africa is urging all South African citizens and non-citizens as well to utilize their participating attorneys in the Gauteng province during Wills Week to draft wills at no cost. And this will ensure that your assets are distributed according to your wishes when you are no longer here. Legal Aid officers in South Africa will accept walk-in clients who seek assistance with drafting and completing basic wills. Of course, it's a good idea to dial in and make sure that you're going to arrive on the the right place and at the right time, but you can also walk in and make inquiries. Furthermore, legal aid practitioners will also be available to provide legal advice on the estates and the queries that you may have. Now, tonight we're joined by Luna Lingani from Legal Aid South Africa, and we will be unpacking this topic just a little bit more because it's something 
unavoidable for all of us that some stage we won't be here and we shouldn't just avoid talking about it because it's unpleasant. Luna, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening and good evening to the listeners. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start at the beginning. Why is it important to have a will? Look, like you've already stated, you know, you don't know what tomorrow holds. To avoid having issues of fighting between the family members, it is important that you have a document called a will in which you will expressly decide what needs to happen to your estate. Remember now, an estate, it includes both assets and liabilities. Those form part of a deceased estate. So now it gives an opportunity to nominate. It's something that will speak for you when you can no longer speak as to what happens to your estate. Another important thing with having a will is that it allows you to choose an executor, meaning that it's someone who's going to run around and administer your estate, meaning that they'll collect all the assets of the estate, they will pay off the creditors, and then they will distribute to the heirs. That's the importance of having a will. Mm-hmm. And there's no other real way, I suppose, of making your wishes known post-mortem. There's no other real way of doing that. None at all. None at all. Actually, I've seen, you know, we've seen it all. I've, I've seen someone came with an affidavit and it, you could see that it was done at the police station, it was commissioned. But unfortunately, it was not a will, it was just an affidavit that I'm leaving you this, this house. Mm-hmm. See, so it has to be a will and it has to meet the formalities and requirements. Do you actually need a lawyer to write up the will? And perhaps briefly, what are the requirements of the person writing the will and perhaps the will itself? There's a, an act which, which is called an, a wills act. So it clearly states what are the formalities that needs to be followed in order for the document to be called a valid will. So I'll just go quickly go through them. It needs to be in writing, number one, a document written down and then... The testator or the testatrix, if it's a female, should state the wishes in the written document. And then if it's more than one page, one page, all the pages need to be signed by the testator. But now the Wills Act has been amended in the sense that only the last page now must be signed by the witnesses. So the testator must sign all the pages, but there should be two witnesses who are present at the same time. The will must be signed in front of two witnesses present at the same time. And then those witnesses must be aware that they are signing a will. They're witnessing a will. And then they don't need to sign all the pages. They can only sign at the end. And the testator themselves, do they need to be a certain age or... But is it 16 or 21 or... All right. The age to make a will is 16. 16 years. Any person from 16 and above is competent to make a will. Mm. As long as their mental capacity allows them to comprehend what they are doing, that they are actually drafting a will. Okay. So now to come to the another issue on the on the validity of a will, there are people who can't write. So those people they will obviously make a mark with an X. So for it to be valid, it has to be done in front of a commissioner of oaths. So it means now everyone will be there: the testator, the witnesses, and the commissioner of oaths. And the commissioner of oaths will sign all the pages, obviously, because there will be an X. And then they must attach a certificate. The commissioner of oaths must attach a certificate that this document. Firstly, they are satisfied that as to the identity of the person who made that mark. Number two that the person is aware that it's a will. It's the will of the deceased or of the testator that he is commissioning. Those are some of the things that are important for that document to be a valid will. Oh, so there you have it. So you must be over 16. It must be in writing. You should be of sound mind. You must have two witnesses. And uh, if you can't write, it must still be in writing, but commissioned. You can't, dear listener, make a video recording of no. somebody who can't write, for example, to try and get around writing. So you have to be in writing. Move it, eh? <laughs> 
Yeah, people can be creative sometimes, yeah, because they don't know what they can and can't do. So let's say that a person now passes away without a will. There's a very common belief that if you don't have a will, it's goodbye and your estate can be taken by the government. But what happens in reality when you don't have a will? When you don't have a will, there's a, a separate act for that. It's called the Interstate Succession Act of 1987. So it stipulates what happens to an estate of a deceased person who didn't leave behind a will. I mean, let's make a scenario with a person who is unmarried. The estate of that person, it will go to the children if they have any descendants. We call them descendants. It will go to the descendants. If there are no descendants, it will go to the parents. If there are no parents, it will go to the siblings. Obviously, the half will go to the spouse and then there will be the issues of now that are there any descendants parents or children or siblings mm. that's what happens so there is a set way of dealing with an estate that doesn't have a will the interest Succession act it stipulates how that estate will devolve mm-hmm. but of course in that one you can't really say that but i don't like or i've already given something to my youngest child therefore uh, they can't inherit yeah they don't take that into account they just divide it up if you wanted that you would have written it down then you would have had a will so the fact that you left the mess you should have a will <laughs> now listen if you've just joined us we're in conversation with luna lingani from legal aid south africa and we're discussing wills their importance what's a valid will who can write will and perhaps the dangers of not having a will is legal aid south africa is embarked on uh, what they call uh, wills week it means that a group of or not a group but a list of attorneys all over the country as well as legal aid will assist the public in drafting basic wills basic wills in my experience having a complicated will doesn't help you anyway but we're going to unpack it a little bit further just to see what we can find out about deceased estates and the wills Now, if one left a note at home with a few signature of what should happen to their belongings, let's say we have something that is basically almost like a will. And we can kind of see what you know, this person was trying to show that this is what I want, but maybe it's not quite perfect. What do we do with something like that? That paper, it will be taken to the office of the master of the high court. And obviously, because it won't meet the formalities and the requirements to make it a valid will, it will be rejected by the master of the high court. So it will be as if there was no will. It's almost a will, but unfortunately not a will. In the little bit of research that I did, I heard that you can approach the high court to try and condone it, but it's an incredibly expensive process and it may not succeed as well under, under most circumstances unless it's very, very, very clear what's going on. That's the topic coming? now of contesting a will. If anyone okay. contests a will, yeah, they can take ah, it to the high right. court. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Now, a will isn't something that I think about or want to think about. If I'm just your average guy on the street, just like me, it's not something I think about often. It is, of course, not something I want to think about very often. Every year I update my policies because I've gotten a year older, my circumstances change. Does a will expire? And how, how important is it to keep it up to date? Like how often should you be looking at, at your will? Normally they say it should be reviewed as often as your circumstances change. Same with the other policies about ever. Maybe you can be, may have gotten married, maybe a child born after the will was executed or acquired more assets. So it needs to be reviewed as often as your circumstances change. Some people say annually. Because remember, if something happens to you and you have maybe acquired additional assets, so those ones will be in terms of Interstate Succession Act. Mm. 
only the ones that are in the will will be part of the will. So, so you mean it is possible to die partly in test date, partly in yes. test date? And yes, if you're definitely. Up to date. It happens. It does happen. Go ahead. The risk there would be like now, your assets will be inherited by people who you didn't intend to inherit. That's mm-hmm. the risk that you run if you don't review your will as often as your circumstances change or you acquire more property or more assets. All right, I see. I see. And I suppose the benchmark must be rather than saying, well, I'm going to do it every year or every three years, every five years, you've got to think about actually I got married or I had a child or I had a grandchild or my brother who was going to be my executor has passed away or moved to a different you know, part of the world or something. So it's, it's incidents like that that should make you reconsider your will. Well, I've just bought an, an apartment which I'm renting out. See, mm. additional assets. Right, okay. Now, I, I suppose this is a little bit of a complicated one. If, if one is married in community and the one person dies and there's a will, can you explain whether the, the, the testator is dealing with 50% of the property? What are they dealing with exactly? When in their will, when they say, well, I give my car, I give my house, but actually they're married in community. So now how, what's going to happen? You know, the important thing, if you're married in community property, you can only depose to a will or do a will pertaining to only to your 50%. Because by operation of law, half of, of the joint estate, it belongs to your spouse, obviously, or your partner. So now you can only depose a will in relation to 50% of your of your assets. Mm. So you can't like, say, hey, um, I'm bequeathing this whole house to so-and-so. Remember, there's a party there who's got, who owns 50% of that property. Mm. Some will say uh, it is important to have a joint will. Some parties, what they do, they just do a joint will. That should one of us treat this, then this is what happens to the estate. But if the parties had individual wills, that will can only relate to half of that estate. Mm, mm, mm. I, yeah. see, I see. Well, there's another thing that I read about while I was, you know, um, checking for my for this interview, and it's there seems to be a threshold of mm-hmm. something along the lines of two hundred and fifty thousand rand or a child's share, and so it seems as though perhaps the, the, the surviving spouse might be a little bit in a better position. Or Can you explain that one for me? Because that one can be a bit complicated. Okay. Look, the Interstate Succession Act, it deals with where there is no will, right? Mm. It, it clarified that. But now let's talk about the, the threshold of 250,000. If the estate of the deceased is less than 250,000, it is administered in terms of Section 18.3 of the Act. There is where a person will go to the office of the Master of the High Court and then they will acquire a, what is called a letter of authority. But if, are, if it is above 250,000, then it will be letters of executorship. That's the one that's a bit, little bit complicated now because now it means that there has to be an, an attorney involved to administer that estate or an agent. And that's the one now that will go through the process of advertising to the creditors on the Gazette, on the newspapers. Now let's talk about the one that requires a a little bit more care is the one with the executor. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it even goes as far as having what is called a liquidation distribution account, which must be also laid for inspection at the the nearest court. You know, it's it's a little bit complex, that one. That's why it needs an attorney or an agent. Let's talk about now the spouse. Let's say the house is 500,000. I'll make an example. Half of that house, of that 500,000, belongs to the other spouse. So if the value of the deceased spouse is 250,000, the surviving spouse is going to swallow. They're first entitled to the first 250,000 of the value. They take their portion, their half, and then the first 250,000 of the balance. Mm. So now if it's like 500,000, they will just swallow the whole estate so their children yeah. won't inherit anything in that mm. 
250,000. Right, I see, I see. It's only if there's more than 250,000, then you can start maybe looking at children getting in. But this is all in interstate, eh? Yeah. So I suppose that also goes back to the importance of having a will to ensure that yes. if your estate is quite small, then your children will get something rather get than something, yes. one person getting everything. Definitely. Mm. Okay. If you've just joined us, we're in conversation with Luna Lingani from Legal Aid South Africa, and we're discussing the importance of having a will. Lawful Lawful Keep in mind that you can also join Join us on social media where you can be part of the show and engage with us. You can also engage with us on our various social media platforms, which are Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. And on Facebook, we are VowFM. You can catch us on the podcast by visiting vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law or the Vits Radio Academy page on Iona. If you don't know, we're also available on Spotify. Now, we've asked a few of you if you have a will and whether it is an important thing to have. This is what you had to say. My name is Mofomunta Silibi. I think a will is important because, you know, in, a, in the event of a parent or parents dying, it's important to leave behind a will for your kids. We have seen on more than on a number of occasions where children... Uh, you know, would get into fights over their parents' property. Therefore, I, I think it is important for parents to leave one behind. Hi, it's Rajula Lee here from Centurion. Yes, I have a will, and I think it's important to have one because one to arrange your affairs after you have passed away in a manner which will, you know, be organized and it won't leave people uh, you know in conflict so that's why i've arranged my own will and i think everyone else should have one because you don't want to have people having disputes after you're gone uh, about what would have been your own, uh, wish as a person who has now left us yeah. hi timmy here a will is very important depending on your estate, uh, depending on how big your estate is, how many children you have, or why you want to leave these things to those people. And it's very important because it states exactly who should get what and why they should get it as well. Otherwise, without a will, you have internal fighting. You have people that claim to know what you would like while you're dead. So the best option is to have a will. Hi, my name is Bushe. Um, currently, I don't have a will. I don't think it's important right now for me um, because I'm not married. I don't have any assets really, and I don't have any dependents or anyone that I look after. So that's why. My name is Nkosinati um, Mkunjulwa. I believe it is important to have uh, a will, especially when you start accumulating assets and you have family members that you care about, you have uh, children that you, you really love. Uh, we don't know what might happen tomorrow, so it is very important to actually uh, have a will, put those in the will, uh, you know, and try to 
allocate all your assets in a manner that you would love your children, your family members, your spouse, you know, to have a share in, in your hard work while you are still alive. It also helps with regards to estate when you pass away and you, you have been a breadwinner, you have accumulated assets, your family have made a living out of those assets to stop family feuds, to stop, uh, you know, mistreatment after death. You are able to, you know, bring peace uh, after your death in a sense that your will will be like your voice even when you're no longer there that says, as I have been doing all along, this will go to so-and-so and it will take care of him or her and, you know, your your, your family uh, will maintain that peace and they will have a sense of, you know, love that you have given them that, you know, even after death, you you are able to uh, care for them, to love for them. Uh, yes, um, in terms of assets, it's, it's a problem uh, because you know how to take care of them while you're still alive. But when you're gone, even if you allocate your mansion to your children or your child, uh, they will not take care of it the same way that you used to take care of it. But that shouldn't be your worry. Hi, I'm 34 years old, staying in the east end of Gauteng, Pinoni. I'm a single parent and the mother of an eight-year-old daughter. Yes, I do have a will because I think it is very important that in case that I pass away as a mother, I know that my assets or my finances will be uh, distributed according to how I would like them to be, especially for my child, because I wouldn't want my hard work to just be used anyhow by whoever would benefit from them. But if I have a will, I can rest assured knowing exactly that everything will be done accordingly and as to how I want it to be. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Good evening. If you've just joined us, we're in conversation with Aluna Lingani from Legal Aid South Africa, and we're discussing the importance of having a will. It's not a sexy discussion. It's not a, a discussion people like to have, but it's one that is important. Ultimately, we all know that the day will come when we won't be here. As depressing as that may be, one needs to prepare for it and know what will happen once you're no longer around. The only way which our law recognizes as a form of being able to indicate what you want to happen to your estate once you're gone is through a will. And that's why we're having this conversation today. Legal Aid South Africa, along with uh, the Law Society of South Africa, have embarked on what they call Wills Week. And it's a week where they push the or they assist members of the public in drafting straightforward wills and they don't do it at any cost and it's something that we encourage all South Africans to take part in. Now let's get back to the top. So what happens to the children of the deceased who are not in the will or are born out of wedlock? I suppose that's two different questions. What happens firstly if a child is not in the will of the deceased and then secondly to a child perhaps who's born out of wedlock, is there any real distinction? There's no real distinction in terms of, of the children. No, it doesn't discriminate children born out of wedlock when it comes to inheritance, especially now if there's no will. But let's talk about now. The question is, if they are left out of a will, 
As I said, the purpose of a will is for the deceased or the testator to make the, his intention concerning his estate known. So now, obviously, they've, they've been disinherited in a way. Unless they can prove that it was not the intention of the deceased not to involve them in a will. Let's say maybe the mother was still pregnant at the time and didn't update the will. You see that one. But it is still have to go to court. They can go and challenge it and contest it in, in court. And then the court can give an order pertaining to that based on the... In each case, I think they will look at it on its own merit. The, the, the best hope that you have at that point, maybe, is if you're a minor and you're left out of the will is to claim for some sort of maintenance. Yeah, I was going to say, what they can do now is to go to the maintenance court to claim for maintenance against the estate mm-hmm. of the deceased. If mm-hmm. they prove that they were dependent of the deceased. Mm. Only if they are minor children, of course. But I mean, in, in, but, but that's a complicated, well, not complicated, but it can be an expensive thing to do to have to go to court just to get, I mean, it's much easier to have your will updated on a regular basis, I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. rather than having to have your children now jump up and down and go to court. Sometimes some circumstances can be unique because I know of a person who was pregnant and they, they had issues with a deceased, so he hadn't, she hadn't gotten around to telling him that she was pregnant. You see, those are the instances now where you, the court will have to look at exactly was it the intention of the deceased to exclude that child from the will. Mm, 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 mm. Let, let's assume now a person dies with a will. And it looks like this will is okay. Under what circumstances can or perhaps should a will actually be challenged? You know, what are the common reasons for challenging a will? If it meets the, the formalities, because it's one of the reasons that it can be challenged, if it doesn't meet the formalities, or maybe if it was if there's suspicion or they are convinced that it was done fraudulently. Sometimes we find that the testator signed without being aware that they are signing a will. You know, if an, an old person can just go and say, okay, come, Kulu, uh, just sign here, you know, without even checking what's happening, then there will be two witnesses. You know, those elements of fraud, mm. that one can be challenged. Or if the person, if they can prove that the, the testator was not in the right mental capacity to execute a will. Mm-hmm. They were so ill, for example, that they, they, they couldn't have known what they were doing, that kind of thing. What they were doing, yes. The mentality affected them mentally. They were not like aware what they were, you know. Also, let me just raise this because it, it often happens, you know, if it can be challenged if the beneficiary has somehow been excluded or disqualified. For example, maybe if they were involved in the death of the testator. Remember, the common law, bloody hands don't inherit. Yes. That also can be a ground to challenge that we will contest it. Right, I see, I see, yes, yes, yes. And um, we sometimes hear of relatives who, you know, just come up with a will out of nowhere, and this will doesn't seem to be right, and then people discover that actually this is a fake will, you know, after a while. What are the consequences for people who try? Because it's such an important document and the person who allegedly wrote it can't say anything, they're gone. What are the consequences if you're found out to have forged or counterfeited or altered a will unlawfully? It's a criminal offence. It's fraud. They can be charged criminally and they can be sentenced in court, in the criminal court now. Then the person will have, you know, criminal record, go to prison. So it's a no-no, a big no. It's a, it's a huge risk. And I suppose that it's a, quite a serious charge because it would be, well, potentially three charges there. You'd have fr- forgery, uttering, and fraud potentially there. And all of them are quite serious charges, all of them. Very serious charges, yes. And they, you know, with fraud, it's got even a minimum sentence. Mm-hmm. So 
exceed the end okay something like 15 years more wow Wow, so it can be that serious. And then I, I, I would also assume that that person would, you know, like you'd also not be able to inherit then, even in intestate, because they tried to, they'd be disqualified because of their actions. Yes, they would definitely be disqualified. Also, can I just add one thing on the, on the on contesting the will? Also, mm-hmm. there's, there are wills that are signed under duress. You know, these days we've got old people who stay with grandchildren, maybe find that they are on drugs, and then they will force that person to sign the will. So that will signed under so that can also be a ground to contest the will. Let me just understand it a little bit better. When you say it's signed under duress, it's signed by someone exerting some kind of pressure and uh, influence yeah. on that person who's signing. On that person. Mm. And okay, yes. okay, and that's also another ground then. Okay, I see. Yeah, I can contest it on that ground. And what actually happens to your will? Once you pass away. So you've now passed away. Your attorney says, okay, here's the will. They go to the master's office. What happens to your actual physical will at that stage? You know, when a person passes away, the only document that can be taken as a will would be the original. So that's the document that they'll take at the master's office and will form part of your, of your file that's at the master's office. So whatever happens, the executor will do the job using a copy of the will. Certified by the master of the high court? Yes. All ah, right. So the master will then retain the will, I suppose, until such time as your estate is properly finalized. finalized. Wound up. Okay, okay. So, I mean, it's not a document that you can put up on the wall and say, this was my grandpa. You'll have to use a copy for that. But after it's finalized, of course, we can, you guys can get the will. Oh, okay. I see, I see. Okay. Now, if you've just joined us, we're in conversation with Luna Lingani from Legal Aid South Africa. And we're discussing the importance of having a will. We're also discussing the ramifications of people who try to influence others to sign wills that perhaps they don't want to sign, perhaps are fraudulent or counterfeit wills, all sorts of things like that. And the consequences can be quite serious, with jail time being a possibility, a very real one. So if you've ever thought of it, perhaps you should think again and listen a little bit more carefully. So we've already discussed how old a person needs to be to make a will. But perhaps if someone, let's say, is younger than that, say younger than 16, and they've inherited a little bit of money already. So they're 10-year-old who, and unfortunately, 10-year-old passes away. Even if they wrote something that looks like a will, it would, does that mean it would be disregarded completely? It just, just doesn't exist. Is that what would happen? Let's say a 12-year-old or 13-year-old or 14-year-old does something like that. Remember now, it's stipulated in the, in the Wills Act. So there's, there has to be compliance with the, with the Act, with what is written in the Act, that it's a person to who is 16 years and above. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are ways to to circumvent that, maybe issues like like having a trust, you know, of which oh, now yes. is a topic for, a topic for another day. Ah, okay, okay, so yes. Okay. You know. I see, I see. Now, I know, particularly as Africans, we often are reluctant to discuss our demise, to discuss, oh, when... I pass away, this will happen. Or when mother passes away or father passes away, we think we should do this, especially if the person is still alive when we're trying to have that discussion. Do you think in South Africa we are serious enough or we have a good enough understanding of the importance of a will? Or are we still uh, cultural taboos getting in the way of us discussing will? You know, my perception is that we are not. Look, looking at the ratio of, of estates that are administered in terms of interstate succession aid, you know, and one would assume 
especially with the, the culture or the, our backgrounds have got an influence on that because some people where they come from should be like, okay, no, my, my the eldest child will do everything here. The oldest son is going to be the Inguru or Khalifa. So those are the things that affect this drive of people having wills because people will assume that, okay, no, obviously it's going to go to the my eldest son and it's going to take care of everybody. But unfortunately, it's not going to go like that. Mm-hmm. Once you pass away, it's going to involve in terms of the Intercessor Section Act. Mm-hmm. And there's no eldest son there. All children are treated equally. Mm-hmm. So cultural norms will not necessarily be more important than what the law actually has to say. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. So people will be disappointed if they think that it's going to go to the firstborn who's going to take care of everyone. No, it doesn't go like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And also the position with a lot of black estates, let's put it like that, was that girls almost in the past almost never inherited outright. It was, I think, a system of primogeniture. And uh, where does the law stand on that nowadays? No, that's right. There's actually a case law in that, that because there were issues like with Muslim girl children that couldn't inherit, you know, mm-hmm. blacks. So all has been done away. I mean, everything has been like, it's the same now for everyone. There's no uh, color or discrimination in terms of ethnicity or race or anything. What would your advice today be to an individual who, for whatever reason, doesn't have a will? Before I go to the advice, can I just touch on something on, on, on the witnesses? Yes. The witnesses to the will, just uh, for a few seconds, I forgot to mention this. Look, for, for a person to, to witness, it's very important. Now, it's another important factor or aspect. The witnesses have to be 14 years they are called, in terms of this act, they are called a competent witness. Competent witness is somebody who can even go to court to testify. Mm-hmm. So they have to be 14 years. And then, remember we said they must be present at the same time? Yes. If, for any reason, there's an amendment to the will, that alteration has to be signed by the testator. And then there needs to be two witnesses present as well for that alteration. They did not be the same ones who were there before, but they must comply with the requirement of being there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the witness to a will cannot inherit. On the will. Yeah, no, they can't. Another thing is, the witness need not know the contents of the will, but they must be aware that they are witnessing the will. Right. I just wanted to, 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 to add those things, to address those issues that we didn't touch on. Well, no, that's very important. That So they must be 14 years or older. They shouldn't be a beneficiary or a legatee or whatever in the will itself. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very important. Or their spouses. Or their spouses as well shouldn't be. Oh, okay. So I can't get my son-in-law, my brother-in-law, if, okay, I see. <laughs> I see. All right. So what advice, if any, would you give to a person who's sitting here today listening to our uh, radio show and doesn't have a book? What would you say? My advice is, please, from the 26th to the 30th, in South Africa, it's called a National Wheels Week. If you go to the website of the Legal Practice Council, formerly known as the Law Society. They've got a list of all the participating officers of the attorneys or legal practitioners, as they are now known as, who are going to participating in the World's Week. Some legal aid officers will be participating, will be assisting our people to draft wills. We're not even going to look at the, going to look at the, at the means test now to see who qualifies for legal aid or who doesn't. We're going to be assisting walk-ins, like you said, to draft wills, because it is very, very important to have a will. To avoid issues of, we've seen grandchildren being evicted by aunts after the grandparents pass away. Siblings will fight for the property to be sold, and this is a family home. So, you know, those are issues which are very sad to watch. So please go out there and have a will drawn. And there are also banks 
they can assist with wills if you are above the age of 60 years. And if you are under 60 years, I understand that they can assist provided you're going to nominate the bank as an executor of that estate. Mm-hmm. Okay. The services there make use of the service. You could save yourself a lot of heartache. Uh, that was Una Lingani from Legalize South Africa. She was informing us about the importance of having a will. I hope that she raised some really important things that you should think about. Why it is that you should perhaps have a will. Ultimately, we all know that our lives are finite. They started at a point and at some point they will they will end. And the only way in which you can truly, truly ensure Uh, that your own legacy is in accordance with your wishes is to put it into a will and a valid will not a will that you've just thought up yourself uh, or an affidavit or anything like that it'll only lead to heartache even if you're a cultural person and you believe that so and so should get this and other people should get nothing that doesn't matter unless it's in a will it won't happen that way i'm not saying you should do it but it will only happen the way you want it to happen if you put it into your will and if you're a woman, or you're a Muslim, or you know you are um, born out of wedlock, you shouldn't worry anymore, uh, because all of those people are treated equally. We've done away with these weird and unnecessary distinctions, particularly in deceased estates. But still, a will is important because if you do have a child out of wedlock, who knows how your other children will treat the one that was born out of wedlock? Who knows how your wife will treat the stepchildren? Who knows what your siblings will do uh, when you're not around? Have a will and do it, do it right. Now, thank you for joining us on Law Focus, Luna. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Steve. Thank you for having me. Law Focus, handing you your rights. That's it from us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the show. And you got informed about the importance of having a will and what the consequences are of having a will. We thank our guest, Luna Lingane, for sharing all the relevant information with us. It was very enlightening. To our producer, Refule Mekwa, our technical producer, Kutwane Sarama, thank you for putting the show together for us. And from me, Tapmahapi, it's, as always, a pleasure spending our Tuesday nights with you. We hope you enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you for joining up with us. And we'll meet again next week, same time, same place. Good night. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus Podcast.